One of the um, most common challenges uh, to this creation account in the book of Genesis is this day. Uh, difficult day four, uh, it's called. It's seen as difficult because it is apparently the day that God created the sun, the moon and the stars. Now that's difficult enough, but what makes it even more difficult is that God had already made light back on day one. You might remember when we put Jack in the sleeping bag. So how can you have light without the sun? It's not particularly uh, scientifically accurate, is it? And it's led uh, many very smart people to write off the whole Genesis account altogether. For example, uh, one expert writes this. He says, Now what man of intelligence will believe that the first, the second and the third day and the evening and the morning existed without the sun, moon and stars? It's a fair point. The interesting thing about this quote, though, is that it is not from a modern scientist who's been convinced by geology or evolutionary biology. Instead, it comes from a bloke named Oregon from the 3rd century. And he was the most prominent uh, theologian of his day. He was thoroughly convinced that God had created everything and that Jesus was his risen Lord. He was so convinced of these things that the Roman Emperor, Emperor uh, Decius had him locked up and tortured because he refused to deny his Christian faith. Oregon was routinely beaten in prison for two years before eventually being released, only to die at home soon after. But his Christian faith was still intact. Oregon was a Bible-believing Christian, but even he couldn't make sense of difficult day four in Genesis 1. He simply found it to be baffling and backwards. So let's take those two ideas this morning of baffling and backwards because they're going to help us understand this difficult day four. I mean, first, it would be baffling, wouldn't it, if we said that God created light before he created the sun. It'd be like if I said, I made a wooden cubby house for my kids and after that, I made the raw timber planks. That's baffling and ridiculous, isn't it? But it is not so baffling, though, if I said, I made a wooden cubby house for my kids, and after that, my kids made the cubby house into their own cafe. Now, see how the verb I used in all those examples was made. Uh, that's because uh, made, it's a pretty rubbery term, isn't it? We use it in a variety of meanings all the time. I made a cake. I made the grade. The smile on their face made my day. Made is rubbery. Especially in the uh, original uh, Hebrew, made, or asar, as it is in Hebrew, it can mean to create, uh, or to work on something, or probably more useful for us with difficult day four, asar can mean to appoint something. So this means that the, the most logical reading of Genesis 1 is that God created the sun as the source of light on day one, and then on day four, he appointed, he assad the sun to govern the day and the moon to govern the night. And he appoints all the celestial lights like stars, etc. to be our signs for seasons and festivals. That's not so baffling. But it still does seem a little backward, doesn't it? You know, why didn't God just do all of this on day one? 
and not set aside a whole other day to establish the sun and the moon and the stars with their uh, job descriptions. Well, this is where the idea of God's good ordering of creation returns. Remember, we've been talking about how Genesis 1 makes it very clear that God is not chaotic. God is not random. He is purposeful and ordered. And this helps us understand that day four is neither baffling nor is it backward. Have a look at this diagram up on the screen here where I've uh, taken uh, the first six days of creation. On the left-hand side, there is an order when you line the days up like this. Days one, two and three have been about separating and setting the boundaries of the tofu earth that we've been talking about. Light from dark separated on day one. Water from water on day two. Sea from land on day three. And then on the right-hand side, in days four to six, God appoints certain things to each of those spaces. He puts the sun in the light, the moon and the stars in the darkness, birds in the air, fish in the sea, and humans and animals on the land. That's not backward at all. In fact, it's a perfectly understandable order. God makes his creation and then he fills it in, in order. Like me making the cubby house and then the kids making it into their own space as they fill it with their toys to order their cafe. It's neither baffling nor backward to say that we use the ordered place of the sun, the moon and the stars. The sun's place in the sky reminds us of the time of day, doesn't it? The stars have served us for millennia in navigation. The moon's waxing and waning lets us know the rising and lowering of our tides, and it even lets us know when certain holidays like Easter are coming up. That's why God says these lights are to serve us as signs. They serve us for our good in God's good creation. And they function like clockwork, don't they? We, we can and we do trace the movements of the sun, the moon and the stars. They're remarkably consistent, and that's comforting. So it's not actually the ordering that baffles us. What can baffle us is when the sun and the moon seem disordered. Darkness in the middle of the day, for example, is baffling and backwards. It is most discombobulating. There's a new word for your day, discombobulating. Ever had a bad curry and felt it bobbling and bouncing inside of you? That is discombobulating. Darkness in the daytime is discombobulating, like an eclipse. See, there is another more difficult and discombobulating day in the Bible than difficult day four. And it's the day of Jesus' death. When Jesus breathed his last and he hung bloodied and broken on the cross, we're told in Luke 23 that it was noon, the middle of the day. But then darkness shrouded the land when Jesus died until three in the afternoon. The good order of light and dark, day and night, had been ruptured. This integral system of ordering time, movement, everything, it went haywire for three hours. Luke tells us that the sun stopped shining in those times. The sun was disordered because the one who orders all of creation had died at that moment. He had died for his most precious creation, for us. The sun stopped serving us in that moment so that we would know just how much Christ had served us at that moment. 
In a few weeks, we will be reminded of the ultimate act of service when the service of the moon will bring us to the Easter holiday once more. But in God's kindness, I'm pretty sure it's not going to go dark on Good Friday this year in the middle of the day. Because the darkness of our rejection of God, our Creator, has now been flooded with the light of the life of Jesus Christ. Because the sun rose on that third day and it shone into an empty tomb. Jesus' feet crunched on the dewy grass of the fields in the dawn. He found his disciples and he raised his hands to them in the morning sun. And the morning sun's rays streamed through those bloodied holes in his hands. A new day had dawned, not just by the service of the sun in the sky, but by the service of the Son of God, the one who had conquered the baffling backwardness of our sin and death. And the reordering of creation had begun on that day.